0: You're listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. What's going on, man? I uh, I just recently read some reviews of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. So I want to thank anyone who's ever written a review on iTunes. I do read them, I do see them. And uh, thank you. Thank you for leaving a review. It's good to get the feedback, and it's also great to uh, to have you do it because it it spreads the podcast out there more and, and can help more guys. So if you've done that, thank you. And for the ladies listening out there, because there are ladies who listen, I do appreciate your comments as well and your feedback. So thank you for doing that. Okay, today's episode. What are we talking about? Do we have an interview? Yes, we do. We're talking to Frank Kermit, a guy that I haven't known personally, but I've known in terms of being in the industry for a very long time. In fact, he's been doing this for about twenty years now, and we're talking about losing your virginity, and it's tough because I know that there are a lot of people who might not click on this one because they're like, "Oh, you know, I I I don't I didn't lose my virginity, so I don't need to to listen to this." But I just want to let you know, this is not just for guys who've lost their virginity, but anyone who doesn't have a lot of sexual experiences. So you know whether or not you're a virgin or you just haven't had sex with a lot of women and you feel shameful around it, you feel weird about it, it's preventing you from, from dating or from being with women physically and it's destroying your confidence and you don't know what to do. That's what this episode is all about with Mr. Frank Kermit. And he gives some really great, great tips and great just information and mindsets in terms of what to do if you're a virgin, how to deal with that, how to deal with the shame, and then how to lose your virginity and how to get to the point where you're having more sexual experiences. So I'll say this right off the bat do not feel shameful that you are a virgin. It's okay, it's normal. More guys than you could ever imagine are virgins and are. Older, you know, 25 and older. Okay. Of course it's normal if you're under 18. I even think it's normal if you're under 25. It's completely normal. So don't feel like it's it's weird. But I don't want you to think it's weird anyways if you're over the age of 25. When I say the word normal, I just mean it's common that most guys have lost it before 25, but don't worry. And plus if you listen to this episode and take Notes and take action on it, it's going to help you. And I do work personally with a lot of guys who are virgins, and you're going to hear Frank. He works with guys too and coaches them. So, you know, I just want you to know there is help for you. If you're interested in working with me and getting help, whether you have low sexual experiences or you're a virgin or you're not, and you're just looking to get better with meeting and dating women, you can always go to coachedbytrip.com and apply for coaching with me to work with me one on one. I want to apologize real quick before you listen. I don't know what happened. I, I used the software called ZenCaster to record my interviews, and it said I was using the mic, but for some reason, it just didn't record me using my mic. It recorded it from my actual computer. So it's not like it's, it's, you know, terrible audio quality, but it's not gonna be the same audio quality as you can hear right now of me speaking into the mic. So just bear with it a little bit. Again, I'm just being picky here. You're gonna be fine. You're not gonna be listening to it thinking this is this is you know, you're unable to listen to it, but you're gonna see or you're gonna hear that. It just doesn't sound like it normally does. So my apologies for that. And the next episode too is gonna to be the same way. I don't know what's going on. Zencaster used to be very reliable and now it's it's being a little funky. But either way, it came out fine and you're going to be able to get some good advice and good tips here. So Why don't we get into it? Here's my interview with Frank Kermit. Hey, Frank. How's it going, man? I'm great. Thank you for having me on your show. Yes, I'm glad to have you here. I know that you've been a coach for a very long time. Maybe you can tell the guys who are listening a little bit about yourself, how long you've been doing this, how you got into this, and maybe give us like your official title.
1: Okay. The name is Frank Kermit. My website is franktalks.com. I have officially been coaching now for a little over 20 years. The way I got into this, I was stood up at my senior prom, Lost my ex-fiancé to one of my best friends. Hung out with a girl for two years that insisted that her and I could never be anything more than friends because we were of a different race, religion, and culture. And then one day she announces to me she's getting married to some guy that she's been seeing for six months, unbeknownst to me, that was of a different race, religion, and culture. When I questioned her, like, why? Why him and not me? What did he do that I didn't do? She said, I didn't plan for it to happen. It just happened. He seduced me. And that was where I reached a breaking point. I became suicidal because, you know, when something bad happens to you the first time, well, you can blame the other person. Two bad things happening to you, well, I'm just really unlucky. But when that third strike hit, I have to take responsibility and say, okay, it's me. It's always been me. There's something that I'm doing or not doing that this keeps happening to me. Like so, you saw. The yeah, there was a pattern. Because look, if it happens to you once, you know, okay, yeah, you had a blind spot or you just trusted the wrong person. Everybody makes mistakes. But when something's happening to you consistently, the problem is you. The common element in every relationship problem you have is you. So I made a decision that night. It was either I was going to figure this out or I was going to kill myself. And that began a three-year journey where I would study anything and everything I could get my hands on. Related to dating, relationships, audio programs, watching videos, talking to mentors, approaching people I knew who had great love lives that I wanted to emulate, and just saying, hey, what do you do exactly? What are you saying to these women? What is your philosophy of life? And in three years of trial and error, I started to keep a journal, and I started to find patterns of behavior that seemed to work. Eventually, I was in the middle of a five-year sexual dry spell, met a woman, and everything that I had learned in those three years through trial and error, we connected. And it was one of the first times I ever had sex on a first date. So again, I continued to journal, and I started seeing her about once a week, making it clear that I'm also going to see other people. Within about six months or so, I had a harem of five lovers and girlfriends, a brand new experience for me. I went from, you know, a five-year dry spell to five lovers and girlfriends at the same time. Losing my ex-fiance, I got her back years later, and we reconnected for about two or three months, and I got closure on that relationship, getting stood up at my prom to having a poly date. Valentine's Day was coming up. I was dating two women at the same time. I didn't want to have to choose one over the other. So I told both of them, how would you feel about a poly date? Have dinner with me and the other woman I'm seeing. And They agreed. It was a very surreal experience, given where I was coming from. My goal with this was just to make my life better. I had no intentions of becoming a coach, no intentions of entering this industry. What happened was a bunch of friends of mine saw the changes I had made. so they started saying, "Hey, Frank, you know um, can I have dinner with you? I'll, I'll, I'll take you out to dinner. I just want to pick your brain." Okay, let them pick my brain." They took down notes, tried some of the advice that I had given them. They started doing well. Then their friends started getting referred to me. It got to the point where, uh, after a number of months of this, I was spending so much time helping a bunch of guys. And I would meet, you know, let's say a group of guys in a cafe and they would all be taking notes while I'm lecturing. I was spending so much time doing this, I wasn't spending time dating women anymore. So I said, okay, I've got to be done with this. I'm going to write a book, put all of my philosophies into it, put it out there. And if somebody wants help, I'll send them to the book. And of course, if they read the book, they're not going to need me. Just the opposite happened. I put out the book, people went to grab the book. And they came to me with even more questions and and even advanced questions. At one point, I simply decided, well, I'm going to give it a go. Maybe I'll I'll try this coaching thing. And uh, I started coaching. Eventually, I coached full time. And this is where I am. And with each new question and all the clients I've had, I, I just create more and more products, more and more books. One of the subcategories of the people I help ended up being its own niche. And that's the adult male virgin population. Men in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties that uh, have never had a girlfriend. Some of them have never even kissed a girl. They've never had sex. Then they don't want to pay for it because they don't want to just pay for the sex for the sake of having sex. They legitimately want a girlfriend. Or at the very least, they want they want a female friend that they can have sex with without having to pay for it. They, they don't want to be uh, you know, a, a customer of prostitution. And I just found that so many of them gravitated towards me and I was able to help them. I wrote a book for them. I did a live seminar that I recorded that I that I sell on uh, FrankTalks.com for them. And uh, they make up about 25 percent of the people I help and work with.
0: Got it. Got it. And here we are today. Yeah, that's great. And how do guys find you? I'm curious. Do you have your own podcast or anything like that? How do guys hear about you in terms of wanting to work with you and and learn about your programs and such?
1: Most of the time, it's referral through people I've helped, you know, because if I help one guy who's an adult male virgin, and it's a very private thing, guys don't want to admit that they're virgins. They don't want to admit that they struggle with this. And the only people they talk to about this are other men in the same situation. So usually after I help somebody move forward with their lives to the point they're not virgins anymore, their friends will say, hey, man, how did you do it? You know, teach me your ways. And they say, well, here, talk to Frank. So uh, I was also on uh, local media, AM radio for approximately 10 years as a regular guest on a uh, sex radio show, and through the media appearances, through the website, through articles that I've written, if you type in adult male virgin handbook, uh, you'll find my book, because I'm one of the few people that specializes in helping adult male virgins.
0: Cool. And yeah, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about being, I mean, it really... We're talking about being a a, a virgin in any sense, right? For for guys over 18, I'm sure it's, it's all similar in a sense, but there's just probably more shame involved when you're older. Is that right?
1: The older you get, the more difficult it is. And based on my clientele, now understand this is not based on university studies of any kind. This is strictly based on my client base. The magic number seems to be 25. Because between 18 and 25, a guy can justify him not having a lot of experience with women. he's been working on his career, he's been too busy with school, he's had to figure himself out. But something happens at the age of 25, where if he's still a virgin at the age of 25, it becomes this daunting task, this incredible obstacle. How's he going to explain to a woman that he's dating, that he's never had a girlfriend before, that he's still a virgin? I can tell you based on the stories from my client base, any man that admits that he's a virgin when he's dating a woman, she tends to end it with him. It's not something valued. It's not something prized. It's Some women run away because they don't want the pressure of being the first some of them feel uncomfortable because they're worried he's going to become fixated or obsessed with the first girl he has sex with. And it's unfortunate that some women lose respect for the guy. So a lot of guys can't admit it. They don't want to get into the position where they have to have these uncomfortable conversations. They don't know better enough than to simply say, look, a gentleman doesn't talk about his past relationships. So... If and when you and I ever get really serious, I'll share it all with you then. But until then, I'm not going to ask you about your past and I'm not going to talk about mine, which is one of the things I teach guys. How do you handle that uncomfortable situation? How do you put yourself in a position where you don't have to lie to somebody, but it's okay just to assert a boundary and say, I'm not going to talk about this. We're not at that level yet. It's okay for us to date and have sex without knowing about each other's sexual history. And that's all right. So as they get older, 25, 26, 27, 28, the next thing you know, they're 33. And it's even more difficult to have these conversations. It's even more difficult to try and explain away why you don't have experience. And it just compounds with every year, because now not only do you not have any sexual experience, but all those mistakes that people made when they dated in their teens and when they dated as young adults Sometimes saying the wrong thing or or saying it in a way that didn't get the result you wanted. Sometimes you make mistakes and you hurt people. And it's it's unfortunate. But those are mistakes that you had to make because at some point you had to learn. And without having those life experiences, good and bad, you end up in a situation where you simply don't know what to do or say. And so it's easier for a lot of men to say, why get involved with dating at all at this point? I'm just going to make a fool of myself.
0: Yeah, so they give up. Exactly. So I'm picturing a guy listening right now. You know, I'm I'm going to put it in the same category. I know it's not, and and you'll probably think that it's not, but I want this to go out to the guys who are either virgins or in the category of very, very, very low sexual experience. You know, maybe they lost a virginity to a prostitute. Maybe they... Had sex drunk one night, and you know, that was it. Maybe they've, you know, just have really low numbers, so to speak. So it almost feels like they're a virgin. And I know there's mm-hmm. probably a big jump from the person who's literally never had sex to someone who's done it once or twice, but still it's a it's a guy who just doesn't have experience or a lot of it. What's the first step here? You know, how do you deal with this shame? And and now they're hearing from you and or They even know because they've experienced it that women don't really find it uh, very appealing to be with a guy who doesn't have a lot of sexual experience or is a virgin. How does does a guy deal with that psychologically? And then what does he do with this? And how does he get to the point where he can finally lose his virginity or have more sexual experiences? I feel like you have the answers here to kind of go through the step-by-step process of what a guy can do.
1: Okay, this is a really loaded question because it covers a lot of different aspects. And I'm going to do my best to go through as many of them as possible. Sounds good. So let's start. Okay, the first thing that we would look at is some of the philosophies and beliefs that they have. Are they just looking for the one? Maybe they're not interested in dating. Maybe all they really want is to find a wife. And if they start talking to a woman, and although she may have a lot of great qualities, he finds a reason to say, well, she's not wife material, so I'm not going to bother. That's one of the things that we have to change. That's one of the philosophies you have to change. Because even though the woman you're talking to right now may not be wife material for you specifically, the dating process itself is a self-discovery process. You don't just date to have fun. And you don't date just because, well, I'm dating only for marriage, and if she's not marriage quality, I'm walking away. Going out on a date, learning how to connect with people, learning the aspects of charisma, and as I define it in my programs, charisma is when you can make somebody feel good about themselves at the same time as presenting a positive image and reflection of yourself. If I have to put myself down to make you feel good, That's not charisma, okay? The idea is I have to present myself well, and I got to make you feel good about you. It takes practice. And you're only going to practice that when you're on a date, when you're actually interacting with another human being. There's something to learn about yourself with every different woman you date. So one of the first things I would tackle is... Do Are you taking this all or nothing approach where if she's not somebody that you could potentially marry, you're not even going to bother? Some of the other things that we would look at is, do you have an issue with sexuality? Did you grow up in an environment that gave you really negative associations with having sex? That sex is dirty, that sex is wrong, that sex is a sin, that sex leads to a bunch of horrible things later on. Because part of what I have found with this group of clientele is that sometimes their identity in being a non-sexual being makes them feel good. It gives them a sense of self. I'm not like those other guys that want sex. I'm a good man. And I'm not going to use anybody for sex. These are all very good tenants and somebody can truly uh, embrace those and embrace that identity. But if the identity that is allowing you to feel good about yourself is also causing you great pain and suffering, there's a disconnect. If you are miserable with the consequences of these tenants, then you have to re-examine the tenants that you've taken. In some cases, uh, we're dealing with men who have had a really bad upbringing or maybe some very bad experiences with women when they were younger. So they figure, well, if this person who I really liked is gonna reject me, then why am I gonna try again? Why am I gonna go through that rejection? And then we look at the, the, the symbolism of it. And there's a lot of mental exercises that we do to deconstruct the symbolism of what that means. The idea of just getting out there, and a lot of the virgins, the male virgins I talk to, and work with is that we deconstruct their history and we find out that, well, there were a number of women that would have liked to have dates you, but you found something wrong with every single one of them. But if you had at least given some of these women a chance and gone out on some dates and maybe had some sexual experience with them, dated them casually, you don't have to be in a monogamous relationship just because somebody likes you and you go on a date. And how to structure that. They would not be virgins today. That makes sense. So we ha- we look at that to start off with. And one of the things that I do with, with the guys I work with, I've created some original material called the emotional needs analysis. In the emotional needs analysis, I look at the emotional needs of women. These are specific behavior patterns that women will respond to with attraction. It's not about what she likes. It's about what she responds to. And the rule that I teach these men to follow is that a woman is either your mother or she's your lover. She can't be both. If your behavior and if the way you speak to her triggers her mothering instinct, she'll see you as a good friend, but not the kind of man that she would have sex with. This is why a woman will sometimes date a guy who's a jerk. She knows intellectually he's a a jerk, but she responds emotionally to him. Because he behaves in a way that halts her mothering instinct. Thus, by default, she feels like a potential lover towards him. Many of the adult male virgins that I've worked with are specifically making women feel motherly towards them. And that feeling of, oh, he's acting in a way that's triggering that mothering instinct, it halts her from feeling romantic towards him. Once we change some of his basic behaviors, He starts for the first time in his life, he starts to see women respond positively to him, being open to a romantic encounter with him. And he is shocked because he does like he's always thinking of himself as no, it's not possible, it's not possible. We slightly change your behaviors so that you halt her mothering instinct. She has no choice but to consider you on an emotional level as a potential lover and i drill these guys on the emotional needs to the point where maybe the first couple of times we do an analysis of a situation and we say look here's the situation here's the 10 emotional needs of women what have you violated what are you neutral on and what did you address sure the first couple of times we do it it may take 20 minutes per analysis I get them to the point where they can do it in 20 seconds on the spot. So he knows right then and there when he's talking to a woman, she says something, she does something, he knows instinctually, oh, I know exactly what emotional need this is. I'm going to address it. Boom. She has a different shift where she has to see him in a different way. Do you have an example of that? Sure. Sometimes a woman is going to offer a guy some advice advice that maybe he doesn't want to hear but because he wants to be polite and he doesn't want to be a jerk he doesn't want to be uh, he doesn't want to offend her he'll simply continue nodding his head and she's continuing to give him some advice. The intention is good she doesn't have a bad intent the intent is good but once she gets into the framework where she feels she has to give him advice like a mother would be advising a child. She starts feeling motherly towards him. Therefore, she can't see him as a romantic option. It is the man who says, stop. I really appreciate your intent, but I don't need your advice. I know what I need to do. Let's change the topic. Tell me about what you got planned for this weekend. He halted the mothering instinct. He took charge of the conversation, which means he showed assertiveness. She may be upset in the moment as, wow, he was kind of rude, but that's okay. One of the emotional needs of women is to get an emotional range from a man to experience different emotions. Her feeling a little offended that he stood up for himself is part of that emotional range. She won't like it, but she emotionally responds to it. The fact that he was assertive enough to say, look, I got this under control. I know what I need to do. Oh, he's assertive and he doesn't need my help, so I don't have to mother him by default. Since she can only be his mother or his lover, she now has to switch into a role where she's open to possibly being his lover.
0: That's great. I like that. This is a way a guy can transition from being less of the sexual guy to more perceived as the guy who is sexual and can trigger attraction.
1: Exactly. I use the same method here when a guy comes to me and says, I'm in love with my female friend, but she only sees me as a friend. How do I change this? Chances are through your behaviors, you have constantly triggered her mothering instinct without knowing it. And as soon as you start halting the mothering instinct, she has no choice but to see you as a potential lover. It's not about what she intellectually likes. It's not about trying to convince her that you're the better candidate. It's something she has to feel. And how do you make her feel things? You have to make her feel things by reacting to the things you do and say. And that's what the emotional needs is designed to do.
0: Yeah, this is the counterintuitive part that guys don't understand. I didn't understand it for a long time too, is it's the way you make her feel, not the way you make her
1: think exactly. And the way you make her feel is to simply take action. Specific behaviors that halt that mothering instinct. Every time she's doing something for you that you could be doing for yourself, she's stepping into a mothering role. Every time you stop her from doing that, the lover instinct is, is awakened. Let's say I'm working with a couple that's been together for 15, maybe even 20 years. And she is done. Her attitude is, I don't love him anymore. I'm not in love with him. I I just don't feel what I used to feel. And he's trying to figure out, what did I do wrong? I don't beat her. I don't gamble away our money. I don't bring drugs into the house. I have been a great father. I'm an amazing grandfather. I'm all these things, and it's still not good enough for her. What the heck does she want? So what we do is that we go back to seeing what were the initial behaviors that he was doing at the beginning of the relationship. He was taking charge. They would go out on a date, and although he might take in her opinion as to where they go, he planned everything. He took care of everything. Over the course of their 15, 20-year marriage, because she's in the habit of mothering their children, she's also getting into the habit of mothering her husband. And at first, nobody has a problem with it. He likes the fact that, hey, he's getting pampered and getting taken care of too. She's doing it happily out of love. But over time, when a woman has to mother the man that she's romantically involved with, it builds resentment. And resentment kills that initial attraction and love that's been there for so many years that brought them together.
0: Or it just doesn't create attraction to begin with, right? For the guys who are in the friend zone and who haven't lost their virginity yet.
1: Exactly, exactly. It's, they are devoid of making a woman feel like being a potential lover. And it's just the simple matter that we're talking about simple, basic emotional needs of women that as long as you address them consistently, even those women who initially said to you, no, I just see you as a friend, I just see you as a friend, Once they see you behaving differently, they have no choice but to reconsider this category that they've put you in. And once we get to that point, she starts feeling romantic. He's, for the first time, the adult male virgins. He's 35 years old, and for the first time, a woman is actually making efforts to hang out with him. She's making efforts to drive over to his place for an afternoon quickie. And for him, this is like, oh, no, this is just fantasy stuff, stuff you only see in the movies. It doesn't really happen. Yeah, it, it really happens. But you got to make it happen. You got to make sure that her emotional needs are so addressed that all those things that she could never do with anybody else, she'll do with you. Right, exactly.
0: So let's rewind just a little bit. This is great advice so far, by the way. And we definitely see eye to eye on on how attraction works and and how to get to a point where you're more seen as a sexual being. You know, I'm curious, for the guy who you know is a virgin or has a small amount of sexual experiences, what does he do now? Because maybe he's not needing a lot of women to even get to the point where he can lose his virginity. I imagine maybe there's some guys that are on the friend zone, and there's some guys that are just they don't even have any females around them, like you said. They're twenty-five, they're working on their career. You know, maybe they don't have a lot of friends, things like
1: that. Uh, that. Okay, there's two things that a guy like that can do. Okay, the first one: figure out the kind of lifestyle that you want to build, day-to-day routine, the interests you have that you want to explore in the future. That's the first thing. Once you do that, you have to identify women that would be interested in the same things. So if part of what you want to do in the future is that you want to have your own garden in the backyard where you can grow your own food and then prepare a meal based on food that's in your garden, you're going to be looking for a woman that is into gardening, that is into cooking, that is into probably healthy eating. So once you've identified that, you can identify the social groups online and in person where women like that would go to. We're dealing with a cooking class. Maybe there's a local gardening group that gets together. A community garden would be a place to meet these women. You start with your interests based on your lifestyle, and then you look for women who would be able to fulfill a role in that future youth group. That's the first way. The second way is to look at the women that you have been interested in in the past and look at what they were interested in that maybe you weren't. So let's say you take a tally of, okay, these are 10 women that I was interested in the past. What did they all have in common? Were they all into dancing in some form or another? If that's the case, since all the women that you liked had that in common, that's your your directive to go take a dance class. If all the women that you really liked had a certain type of spiritual philosophy, okay? And I'm not saying which one is going to be better than the other. But let's say the the majority of them had a common spiritual philosophy. Well, learn about that spiritual philosophy and find out where those people tend to congregate. Because obviously, you like something about women who are into that particular topic. So go to places where that particular topic is celebrated because the women there are going to be like the women you were already attracted to. In the first way, we're talking about uh, being, you know, uh, self-importance here. You know, lack of a better term. I'm I'm, I'm struggling with the terminology. But in the first example, you're looking at what you like and you're looking for a woman who can support that lifestyle of yours. In the second one, you're looking at the women that you were attracted to and what they had in common. So you may not even be interested in taking a dance class, but if every woman that you truly, truly were drawn to were all into some form of dance, then you would take those dance lessons so that you could connect with the type of women that you want.
0: So you think through interests and hobbies is a great place to start to meet women.
1: It is a great place to start. The more you know about what you want to do with your life in terms of a day-to-day lifestyle routine, the easier it is for you to pinpoint where women who would support that lifestyle are going to be hanging out. It's a place to start. So you're not just randomly trying to talk to 100 women on the street and hoping that one of them is going to be the one and maybe what, you'll get 10 phone numbers and out of the 10 phone numbers, you maybe got three dates. Will that work? Sure. It's a numbers game in that regard. But is that the most efficient way? No. Is it going to make you feel great to have to approach 100 people and get 90 rejections? No. Some guys are okay with that. Look, some guys are not faced by that. Some guys are very discouraged by that. And I wouldn't push anybody to go through that. Why, Why set somebody up to go through hardship? They're already dealing with hardship. They're 30 years old and they've never had a girlfriend. They've got enough hardship. Let's get them some results. Exactly.
0: What about the guys who are just having trouble even getting to this point? We're just dealing with so much shame because they're, you know, whatever, 20, 25, even 30, 40 years old.
1: I would run. I would run drills with them. I would run drills so that I would say, okay, let's go through every single question that somebody could ask you that you feel shame or embarrassment about, and I'm going to teach you how to answer them. And we drill them. I I drill them on how to answer that type of question. So when a girl says, so tell me about your last relationship, which is a standard question a lot of guys will face when they start talking to a woman. How do you answer that? So that you don't have to admit you're a virgin, but you don't have to sit there and lie. I don't like encouraging guys to lie to women. Because if she turns out to be somebody worthwhile that you want to spend a lot more time with in the future, then at some point you're going to have to admit you lied to her initially. And that's never good. That's not good. I I would rather you set yourself up so that not only do you never lie, You can set it up so that if you happen to meet somebody amazing and it's working out, there's nothing for you to apologize for later. So I would start with guys who are dealing with that level of shame and saying, look, you didn't know what you didn't know. You didn't know how you could handle this. You didn't have a proper guide. You didn't have a parent who could guide you into this. You didn't have an older brother who was willing to do this. So now you got me and we're going to go through this process so that you never have to feel shameful of this again.
0: So they don't have to deal with that feeling of embarrassment either.
1: No, because look, once you've lost your virginity and once you've now had sex with three different women and you're still seeing two of them and you're still approaching a third woman to, to, to possibly see if you know you can date her, how to manage your attachment, how to manage the level of commitment you offer, how to be honest with women and say, look, I really, really like you and I want to continue to see you. But I never want to get divorced. I never want to be separated from my future children. So before I get serious with anybody, I got to make sure that she earns that commitment. So until you earn it from me, and until, quite frankly, I earn that level of commitment from you, you go see other people, I'll go see other people. If we're destined to be together, then we're destined to be together and we'll get there. But we don't have to force it. We have to earn it.
0: Powerful. I like that. Frank, you've been giving us some really great information today and you know, giving us you know, what I think is a really, really solid action plan in terms of mentally, emotionally, and, and also in the real world, physically, in terms of what to do if you have these low sexual experiences or are a virgin. You guys want to work with you on this? Just remind us again, where can they find you?
1: You find me at franktalks.com. There's a sale going on right now. You can pick up the Adult Male Virgin Handbook at the sale price. I have a four-hour audio lecture that you can download and listen to. Again, it's also on sale. And first hour of coaching, if you mention this show and you mention Trip Kramer, mention this show, I'll give you your first hour of coaching for free.
0: Very cool. I like it. Frank, thanks so much for being here. Guys, I'll put that information in the show notes. So you can check him out. Frank, thank you so much and appreciate you giving your time to give some of this great advice.
1: Thank you very much to everybody listening. Visit franktalks.com and thank you for listening as well.